0: Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast co-presented by Achieve Twin Cities and Graves Ventures, a project of the Graves Foundation. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. This Ed Talks is titled Big Challenges, Realistic Solutions, Confronting a Potential Financial Crisis for Minneapolis Public Schools. As a central player in Minneapolis's vibrant and complex community, Minneapolis Public Schools serves over 35,000 students each year and requires sufficient resources to create a truly welcoming and safe space where all young people have the resources and support they need to thrive, both in and out of the classroom and beyond graduation. Minneapolis Public Schools has balanced its budget for the past three years with the help of nearly $262 million in federal pandemic funds non-renewable revenue that is set to expire late next year in 2024. The district's most recent five-year budget projection predicts an imminent financial crisis due to declining enrollment and a failure to cut costs. Both strategic budget cuts and investments are critical to ensuring student learning. This Ed Talks features presentations by Rochelle Cox, Minneapolis Public Schools Superintendent, and Ibrahima Diab, Minneapolis Public Schools Senior Officer for Finance and Operations. Following the presentations, there is a panel discussion, including Amira Ali, a student at South High School and member of the Minneapolis Public Schools Citywide Student Leadership Board, Tara Fitzgerald, a principal at Anderson United Middle School, Teresa Glopin, Minneapolis Public School teacher on special assignment, Brianna Thompson, a parent from North Community, and Elena Fellows, a parent from Lindell Elementary School. This Ed Talk was recorded at Ice House on October 2nd, 2023.
1: Okay, I knew I was going to have too much in my hands, but as a teacher, I wanted to make sure that I brought my lesson plan, right? We always have to have a lesson plan, so thank you. That's super helpful. Um, So, thank you for having us. Um, You know, it's not always easy to come and talk about your challenges, but I think it's really important, and I hope you see that as a change for Minneapolis Public Schools is about transparency but also accountability, which is part of our norms and part of our values. Um, So we're just gonna have a discussion tonight about it. So sit back, enjoy. Um, Really excited to uh, be here with you tonight. Just wanna say a special shout out to Achieve Twin Cities and to the Graves Foundation. We appreciate you having us and we appreciate you all coming out to hear a little bit about MPS. So let's talk about That's okay, I can keep going. Um, So I want to take a little moment before uh, Senior Officer Giap comes on to set some context for you and perhaps talk about my um, interim superintendent year last year, right? So when I got on board, I thought a lot about budget, right? Like we all have, and I know there's a ton of MPS people in the room. Shout out, raise your hand. Hi everyone, there we go. So all of us in our roles at MPS have had different ways that we've interacted with the budget. And since 1970, 1997, all the way up here, there's different ways that I've interacted with the MPS budget. So now I find myself in the interim superintendent's seat, and suddenly the process is mine, <laughs> and I own it. So uh, the first thing I really thought about was our ESSER dollars, which is our elementary and secondary um, school emergency relief dollars. And we got multiple millions of dollars over multiple years, and I walk in on the last year. So what do I do? Do I keep status quo and use them for continuation of services that we had at MPS, or do I do something radical? Well, probably not to Senior Officer Geops delight, I decided to do something radical, and I said, we're gonna do something different this year. So what we decided was we really wanted to institute something called priority-based funding, or budgeting. With priority-based budgeting, it was really about having a conversation about what was important to MPS. So we asked every department, and I mean every department, to do a presentation for us that talked about what were core essential functions that they had to do, what things were mandated by state or federal law, and then what things actually aligned to our strategic plan. Now, I have to tell you our strategic plan was a little dusty. Um, it was uh, kind of put on a shelf. We had a teacher strike. We had a transition of the superintendent. I was looking for a North Star that would help us really think about where we were and where we were going. So as we dusted off that strategic plan, we asked all of our departments to also align their money and their financial ask to that strategic plan. So we set for presentation, and presentation, and presentation and for someone who's been in the district 26 years I was like I know everything about every department I'm sure I do I did not so I learned a lot and it was really important and I think it set us up for a really successful way that we're going to be looking for our budget for next year we have that already We had that baseline already done so as we listened to this three things became absolutely clear number one was We have not met the academic needs of our students number two was we hadn't met the needs of our students who were advanced learners and number three is we had schools that had no functioning libraries unacceptable so as we went through priority-based budgeting with a group of people who were from finance there were an associate superintendent there was departments that were represented. We also had principals in the space. We started to see these three things rise up. So I made the decision, and I own it, that we were going to use our ESSER money in a different way for this final year. And we were gonna use that for intervention triads. So intervention triads are actually triads that are assigned to schools, that are a teacher and two associate educators, and those triads would provide intervention for students who were not making progress and were not proficient. And so that is what we did. And some people were like, A number one, you're crazy to do that for a year. And some people said, two, you're kind of crazy to do that when there's this thing called a teacher shortage going on. Fair enough. Um, I thought it was really important to do it now, though, because I don't want to get to the end of the ESSER funds and say, I don't know what's gonna work for kids. I think this is our best shot. I'm very excited about it. I've been seeing it out in action in schools, so I'm really excited about it. As far as the teacher shortage, yep, yeah, we've got teacher shortage. Um, we have people who are jumping in, they're covering classrooms, but I will tell you the shortages we're seeing are at schools that historically have shortages. So there is a root cause problem there that we have to solve in Minneapolis public schools. Oh, did I follow my notes very well? Let's see what else. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the goals. So we have the four strategic goals. Oh, we're there. I should, I should catch up with my slides. All right, so we have four strategic goals. Did you see them up there. The Problem was, We never financially talked about how much this would cost. So as I'm looking at this, we as a team are now going through our strategic plan. I'm asking all of our leaders who are in charge of these goals to go in, decide what the intended impact is year five, and then backwards plan. It's an old special education trick, right? And then we have to cost that out because I'm going to need to prioritize what's going to happen next, right? So we're going to come into this next budget season knowing exactly how much our strategic plan cost and can we do it, can we financially afford it, but also we're going to know if the intervention triads work. And we're going to be able to see some trends and we're going to know if we need to prioritize that or if it wasn't such a good idea and successful at all. So I think the information we're bringing to the table this budget season is so important. So I know that um, Senior Officer Giap is gonna talk a lot more about our finances, um, but I wanna take a moment to introduce you, if that's okay. And I think you actually have a slide. Nope, there it is, I went right by it. There you go, is that it, that's the one? Okay, um, so Senior Officer Giap is an experienced finance and operations leader whose skill is in both non, uh, non-profit as well as educational staff development leadership. Um, he has a master's degree in international economics and under his leadership our finance department has received a numerous award including a certificate of excellence in financial reporting from the Association of Business And I don't want to get these wrong, Ibrahima. They're really important. And positive Fitch ratings, which publishes credit ratings that projects opinions on our ability to meet our financial commitment, which impacts our bonds. And also, the Government Finance Officers Association recently awarded us a Certificate of Excellence in Financial Reporting. So I'm pleased to introduce Senior Officer Giap, and we will also be participating in the Q&A afterwards. So we're excited to interact with you that way too. Senior Officer Giap.
2: Thank you, Superintendent uh, Cox. Um, they, uh, they, you know it's uh, interim superintendent, but it's easier for me to just say uh, superintendent because it's more practical than. Um, anything else so uh, thank you very much for being here um, again uh, this is my uh, 30th year in uh, in public schools 25 of which in uh, in in school finance and so I joined the district in 2016 and uh, you all know uh, the conditions in which uh, the district was and uh, because of the staff that uh, uh, we have at the, at the district one of them is here the members of finance can you stand up uh, here is Tom Radke, the director of budget, and uh, good footwear there is the executive director of finance, and there are others. And so, uh, finance—the uh, the finance division consists of uh, accounting, accounts payable. So that's the list. And uh, for the past uh, seven years, we've been having clean clean audits, clean audits, uh, an audit. You know, we since we get more than seven hundred thousand dollars of federal funds we are required by statute to be audited by an outside entity and so we've been uh, then every year um, the uh, the audit uh, findings in 2015 14-15 were over 15 15 findings and we were able to reduce it to um, last year we had uh, two findings one of them we found ourselves and shared with the the auditors and the second one is inherent with uh, uh, to, to you know, with the uh, shortage of staff that we had, especially in um, payroll and, and um, procurement, so that caused a uh, um, internal control uh, finding which we have been having over the past uh, few years. And we hope that this time around it will be over because we do have a more a- a adequate um, staffing. And as the superintendent said, this uh, certificate of excellence is something that the people that are in my field are looking to get uh, by doing the work that it requires. The same thing with the uh, GFOA, which stands for Government Finance Officers Association of the United States and Canada. So uh, that we received this year, and again, all these things is because of uh, the the work that every single member of finance uh, does day in, day out. I call them at midnight, they will respond. I text, they will respond. So that's how it works, and so I thank them at every opportunity that I have. Uh, you want to go to the next uh, slide
0: please
2: the button is right. oh <laughs> thank you You're
0: welcome.
2: I guess the arrow to the right means some more right? <laughs> so um, this is uh, uh, enrollment enrollment is very important for uh, for for us uh, because our our funding is predicated on the number of students that we have um, right here uh, you can see to the to the right uh, historically, we've had uh, enrollments that would move up or down depending on the uh, population in Minneapolis. And so, but uh, lately, we've seen that uh, as the population of Minneapolis um, increases, uh, we notice a declining enrollment. That is due to many factors. I'll cite two of them here. Uh, when we did a uh, survey two years back, uh, the survey came back and said that many um, residents of Minneapolis are me- moving out of Minneapolis for two reasons. Uh, housing uh, prices, because uh, people can't afford the, the housing that we have, uh, options that we have in Minneapolis. And the second one would be uh, because of uh, um, violence. Uh, none of those things we control as the district, so, but we are uh, in Minneapolis, that does does have a tendency to affect us. Um, the, gra- the table to the right, or the graph to the right, uh, shows just uh, uh, how many kids we have in Minneapolis. Um, in uh, 2005, or let's say 2000, uh, there were about 60,000 uh, students in the entire attendance area covering Minneapolis. That has shrunk to 46,000, and the reason for that is demographics. Again, Uh, we have many young uh, people that are moving into Minneapolis uh, without a family, and so that actually uh, is um, is translating into a uh, lower birth rate over the past few years. And I'll go through this. If you have uh, questions, uh, if you have questions, please write them down, and then. Uh, I'll answer them more specifically in the answer section. Uh, This is uh, the reason I think that we're here. And when I saw the title earlier uh, with uh, the impending fiscal crisis in Minneapolis, I said to the superintendent, we can actually substitute the name Minneapolis Public Schools with any school district in the country. So this is not proper to Minneapolis, and I wanted to take the time uh, for you to realize that and understand and and know that we are operating uh, from that common understanding and I'm writing right now my uh, dissertation uh, for my uh, doctorate and one thing that I found is the chronic issue that we have in the country, uh, the entire United States is in public school K-12, why? Because of the aberrant absence of the federal government when it comes to education. And so if you have education that is now uh, said that it's a, it's a local matter, then you have to go by, well, how wealthy is that local area that you're describing? And so, uh, and by the way, um, I would say that my own kids attend the Minneapolis Public Schools. And every district that I work for, my kids attended that school. I came here from from Omaha Public Schools, where I spent 21 years. So. Uh, both of, both of my two kids that are now, because the other two graduated, are attending Minneapolis public schools. So we're saying here that uh, we did say uh, in, uh, in 2017, we came up with a uh, pro forma. And it's been seen that, oh, Minneapolis is uh, sinking. Minneapolis this, Minneapolis that. And I said, well, people missed the point here. Because of all the districts that you have in the metro area, how many do provide a pro forma statement? None. We do, why? Because we want to share the condition, fiscal condition of the district with every resident of the district so that you know what we know. And when we come to you for understanding or for persistence, you know uh, what that, uh, why, why that is the case. So with the pro forma that uh, we issued, it showed uh, that we would be in, uh, in, in fiscal crisis in a year or two. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, something always happened to uh, prolong that. So to, to say that, oh, well, like crying wolf, you're, you, you as a district, you're saying that you don't have many, you don't have many, but yet you're still functioning. Yes, we are functioning in this case uh, because of the SOS dollars. Uh, COVID was bad, is bad. And we know that. But uh, in terms of finance, It allowed the district to raise its cash balance. Why? Because of the the vacancies that we had and plus the the absolute amount, um, value, of the federal dollars that we received. Uh, So we received uh, 77.8, like 78 million, um, and increased our fund balance by 38 million. And I remember when the auditors came out and gave the Findings or the 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 audit results to the board one of the criticism that I heard here and there was that oh they have money uh, Because the auditor said that they have a cash balance and I said that this is not something that I would apologize for uh, And definitely not hide because the auditor said it, but what this consists of was uh, the vacancies that we had we could we could do two things use that money to hire more people which would be Uh, the one thing not to do if you really intend to fill those positions in the future or use it wisely. So I worked with my team convincing the superintendent and the board to make sure that we build the cash balance using this because every district in the country is doing that. I have a meeting every other Friday with all my colleagues nationwide. And what we're doing in Minneapolis is no different from what they do in Miami or Los Angeles or New York. And so uh, having a cash balance, Um, allowed us to go through, um, would allow us actually to face the lack of federal dollars. So in total, we received uh, 259 uh, million, Uh, and if you see the difference between the 78 million and the 38 million, that's the 40 million that we would have had in terms of deficit, that we didn't because of the money that we received from the federal government. So that was a welcome um, action or participation from Washington. And so we, uh, we thank them for that. Uh, And during the same period of time, we've seen uh, vacancies in excess of 10%, 10%, which is high for uh, a district like ours. Uh, statutory operating debt. (laughs) I I, I heard this several times and questions were asked of me uh, back in the summer or is the district going to do this? And I liken it to uh, two things. Uh, I have an example about with a car. If you go and buy a car, uh, people that you would say that, hey, I'm going to get a new car, uh, won't ask you, hey, why are you getting a car? Are you going to have an accident or are you going to fall off the cliff? But never do you hear that. They will congratulate you for getting a new car. The reason for it is that the assumption is everybody go past that to say that when you get a car, you'll be responsible enough to drive it following the rules of the road. If we are saying that we have um, uh, we have federal dollars that would be um, sunsetting by uh, September 2024 and that we would have a cliff, well, it's not the first time that we've had cliffs and it probably won't be the last time sadly. And that means that when we do the budget this time around, the superintendent talked about priority based budgeting uh, which is a budget model that um, I've seen uh, before work I used it before and we've used we we used it uh, in Minneapolis last year and the budget uh, thanks to the board um, some of the board members are here was approved uh, unanimously, which was the first time in my st- um, uh, time in Minneapolis so thank you board for your understanding uh, for that and so um Statutory operating debt means that you are really uh, you spent your dollars, now your fund balance is negative. And it says that if you have a fund balance that is two and a half percent negative, then you become, uh, you, you are on, uh, under statutory operating debt. And that doesn't mean that the state would take over. That just means that the state then would be uh, providing a, a plan for the board and for administration to follow and report to the uh, Commission of Education. But I don't even think that we are there because this is something that was said about us many, many, many years ago, and we are still here. Uh, For one reason, for one, uh, we received these federal dollars and um, vacancies, Uh, now we would have to do the work to uh, making sure that we reduce our expenses. As the district, 84 to 85% of our expenses is about salaries and fringes. So we have a budget in terms of general fund that is about 700 million. If you add uh, capital dollars and all that, it would take it about a billion dollars. The majority of these funds, uh, the, the general fund dollars, is paying for salaries and fringes. So if you are to cut expenses in a way that is meaningful, you can't avoid uh, cutting, c- cutting stuff. But what is the district in the country that does not cut staff when you have a declining enrollment? I think every district should be doing that because that's just how it works. Uh, If you have a revenue um, shortage, you have to do two things. Increase your revenue, uh, work to increase your revenue, or uh, reduce expenses. And sometimes I say that it's better to do both at the same time. Uh, here we are, uh, this, uh, this uh, graph here uh, shows that if we didn't, with the pro forma that we started in 2016 17, we did say that we would be in a statutory operating debt at um, FY20 or so. But because of the um, federal dollars that we received and the cash balance that we built, we are at that blue line there. So if you follow the trajectory, it would be 2026, 20, 27 and up that we would be talking about that, because we do have a cash balance that would allow us to navigate moving forward. Uh, in conclusion, the district enrollment has fallen significantly over the past two decades, as resident families have increasingly opted to send their kids to charter schools or, or the district. Uh, I am not one of them. Uh, the district financial issues are structural and, and enduring. Predate the pandemic, that is true, because I did remember my first um, uh, address to the board uh, after looking at the finan- financial statements was that we are operating as though we still have 55,000 students when we have 30,000. So we are still operating with that uh, uh, model, uh, which means that uh, it is not adequate for where we're heading. Uh, the COVID um, uh, 19 issue uh, caused two things, Um, added increased cash balance and uh, um, vacancies which also uh, turn out to support our cash balance. Um, And that has given us time to uh, really uh, do what we need to do to not hit SOD or uh, statutory uh, operating debt uh, at all. And so, the other thing that I wanted to say with these ESSA dollars, ESSA dollars were sent uh, to districts district um, nationwide, saying that it if would if you follow the model of Title I. Title I is the largest federal dollars that any given district receives. And with that, there is a, a provision that is um, uh, you, you, you supplement, but you don't, uh, you don't supplement. <clears throat> And so uh, that means that you cannot, for instance, take uh, Title I dollars to pay for a principal's salary or superintendent's salary, or my salary. That is the, 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 the function of the district. So you would use the federal dollars for something that is above, or that is, that, 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 that is different from that in a classroom, supplementing what, is being, uh, what, what the district is providing. But with the ESSA, uh, it was very clear that the federal government said that the uh, supplement non supplant option or um, clause is not applicable. So you can use the dollars any way you want. So what we did, the bulk of the ESSA dollars, we used them uh, for two years for what's called continuation of services. At that time, the superintendent uh, did say that it did not make sense to uh, reduce, to to lay off uh, employees at a time of a pandemic and economic downturn. So we decided then to use the extra dollars to keep staff, which means that uh, from that point to now, we've been uh, with staff that we don't have a revenue to support. So uh, the budget this year would be uh, really, really, really hard. But it is something that uh, I think we needed to have 10, 15 years ago. So having it now is uh, we, we welcome it. how you can help. There was a bullet here here that said, call your uh, legislature. And I ask that we we take it off because uh, we have to say thank you to the legislature for their effort this year. Um, We received additional dollars and had it not been because of their uh, vision and their support for public schools, especially Minneapolis public schools, that wouldn't have happened. So thank you legislature for your action uh, last summer or uh, late spring. So um, we ask uh, you to Uh, Educate others in uh, school finance. I know that uh, it's a fun topic, so thank you. (laughs) Uh, uh, Amplify the good things that are happening in Minneapolis. There are so many good things that happen every day. Uh, Every day we see that and hear that. But unfortunately, what I see and hear is any mistake that we make is amplified. And I uh, am sitting and saying, well, we just had a uh, budget that is balanced. And for the past seven years, we've been presenting balanced budgets. This budget was unanimously supported by the board. That, to me, is a great story. That's what I'm talking about here. Uh, Participate, continue to participate in community organizations and um, happenings, and stay positive. Because that, without being uh, optimistic and positive, I would not be able to start my day. So every day that I am heading to the district at the Davis Center, I have to be positive, especially when I see a yellow bus. So so, uh, please um, support us by being positive and uh, look at the positive things that are uh, happening in the district on a daily basis. That's what I had for you and so uh, we'll wait now for... Thank you very much.
0: Ed Talks is co-presented by Achieve Twin Cities and Graves Ventures, a project of the Graves Foundation. For more information on Ed Talks or to watch Ed Talks videos or listen to audio podcasts, visit AchieveTwinCities.org.